Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to the Heme Consults podcast. I'm your host, Tessian Wemena, and it is such a pleasure to be talking with you today. I am talking today about don't let racism distract you. Yes, don't let racism distract you. Do not, do not let racism distract you. And I'm excited to be bringing you that episode today. And I will tell you that the episode came up from a recent conversation I had with some of my coaching clients, and it was just something we were workshopping, and we finally had to stop and talk about don't let racism distract you. And so I'm bringing this episode to you because it was such an awesome conversation, and I wanted to definitely share it with you. And the theme scripture for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. But before I get started, I just want to share with you, oh, great woman of color in hematology, that you are amazing and you are extra special. Because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the universe <laughs> has come together in agreement to say you would come forth on earth as a person of color. And that is a gift to you. And although you may not see it as a gift, Although sometimes it feels like a burden, although sometimes you may wish it was different, that you look different, maybe that your hair was different. I would need to just help you understand that your, your presence, your appearance, your beauty, your glowing skin color is a gift. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to this nation. It's a gift to the world. And I just want to encourage you to see the giftedness of your color, to see the giftedness of who you are. And don't allow anybody to tell you a lie or don't believe the lie because people will keep telling you lies. They'll say you're not enough. They'll say you're not worthy. They'll say you can't do it. But do not allow the lie to settle in your spirit where you receive it as truth. As soon as you hear that word, you reject it. You say, no, that is not for me. That is not true. Because, O oh, woman of color, in hematology, your woman of color hood is a gift, is a beautiful thing. And I just invite you today to embrace it. Because it is beautiful and you are beautiful. Okay. So today's episode is called Don't Let Racism Distract You. And I'm going to share a story that I've shared a lot before, but it's important to this episode I started as a, an early career faculty in an area in which I wasn't an expert. And for the most part, when you start out a fellowship, you're not really an expert in every in anything. As a new faculty member, you're kind of newly minted and you're just now having a chance to exercise your leadership authority as an attending physician where you hadn't really been able to do it before unencumbered. In the past, you always had to have someone that you 
you know, went to and said, this is what I'm thinking. And they would say, yes, this makes sense. Have you also considered? But now as a faculty member, I had an opportunity to now practice. And so I, yes, didn't have as much experience, but clearly I had been well-trained. I knew what I was doing, but I entered into this clinical space where people were questioning me. They're like, yeah, we see that you want to do it this way, but this other person does it that way. Can you go check with that other person? And, you know, when I first started out, I was young and naive and very, <laughs> very accommodating. And I would say, sure, why don't I go check? And in a way, what they were saying to me in that moment was, well, I don't trust your instinct. I don't trust your, your education. I don't trust your experience. Go to this other person who's clearly superior to you in this way and figure out if this is the right way. And invariably, I would go talk to them and they'd be like, of course, this makes sense. You don't need to ask me. And of course, I didn't need to, but I felt like it was important to be able to let the other person know that, oh, I've checked in and it sounds okay. And I would tell you that I did this over and over again. I did this for eight years. And I finally got to a point where there was a lot of complaining about how I wasn't really responsive. What wasn't I responsive to? I wasn't responsive to the challenges to my authority, to the challenges to my leadership in medicine. And so, you know, it was one thing when I first started and I was like, sure, I'll check with this other person, make sure I'm doing it the correct way. It's another thing eight years later for people to still be asking me to go check in. <laughs> so I have to tell you that it wore me down enough to the point where I was like, you know what, done. No more. No more. Thank you. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I have to say, I think a lot of people were surprised when I did that because I think sometimes people feel like because you do a job that it's it's your job. And if you can't do it, you know, your life is over. And in reality, we're flexible beings. There's nothing we can't do. There's no new space we can't enter and lead. Anyway, I finally had gotten to this point where I, I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. The thing where I would have to keep trying to prove that I was worthy. And so I quit the space. I quit the space. Anyway, my advice and encouragement to you is not quitting. <laughs> or maybe it is. Let's get to the end and then I'll tell you. But anyway, so that was the experience. And it really was. It was it was an experience of racism. You know, I, I, I have to say in my career, I try very hard not to spend too much time worrying about which part of my experience is racism, which part is not. It's very hard to distinguish. And it takes a lot of energy to try to figure out, was that a racist comment? Was that person being, it's just very, very difficult. And I've found that it takes a lot of time. And so I, I usually don't spend time on it. But, you know, I am very well aware of what happens. I'm very, very well aware of who else didn't have that experience. So when another woman came into that space who was not not like me, <laughs> who was different from me, maybe considered to be a, of superior intellect. She didn't get questioned as much. And, and now I had to be checking in with her. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, my goodness. Maybe not really funny, but funny, funny to think about it where it's like, OK, if that's what you want, that's all good. How about I just leave the space and you all just figure it out by yourselves anyway? Okay, so I'm not telling you to do what I did, but I'm just telling you my experience. Okay, that's the story. That's the story. Okay, so before I start, I want to share with you actually the quote that really helped me um, kind of solidify this story and the story that really helped me, um, that really helped me and the story where this title comes from. It's really, um, it's a quote. It's a quote from Toni Morrison. And I actually, this is a quote that's new to me. So, you know, Toni Morrison amazing writer of blessed memory. And she talks about racism. Okay, listen to the quote. 
She said, the function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. And it goes on. It's a really beautiful quote. You should Google it so you can read the rest because it's actually kind of hilarious to some extent. It's sad, but it's hilarious too because you can recognize it. But I really resonated with that. The function of racism as distraction. Now, there are many things that racism can do. And so, yes, this is not a treatise on racism. I'm not here to tell you the beginning, the end, the genesis of race. I, I have no, not, this is not what it's about. But I'm just speaking today based on that quote of the function of racism as a distractor. It does many things, but as a distractor to a woman of color in hematology who's trying to make her mark on this world. And in the story that I'm sharing, I'm sharing a story of how over the course of eight years, instead of just being able to say, okay, let's do this, I had to spend time going to find the person they considered superior to me so that I could get an answer that I already had from the very beginning. And so that whole process of like leaving the decision I was making to go find someone else at, at a minimum took 10 minutes probably 15, sometimes even longer, depending on the decision making. I spent a lot of time trying to prove to people that my ideas and my thoughts were relevant, real, and worthy of being listened to until I decided it was not worth doing that anymore. So the three things I do want to share from the story, because I love to share three things, <laughs> is just to talk about how I'm defining racism right now. Now, this is not a lesson on racism, so I don't have to be very official in my definition but when I summarize it, racism is this concept of the superiority of races, right? That there is a hierarchy of races and there is a superiority and there are some that are clearly superior to others. And it's even worse, the sense that those who are not on the superior spectrum, perhaps those who are considered inferior, somehow it seems to be people of color who are considered to be lower, <laughs> there's a sense that no matter how hard they try, they cannot attain. So there isn't even a sense of meritocracy within racism. There's just, a, I'm sorry, you're inherently flawed. You've got problems. Therefore, you can never, right? And, and so the whole concept of racism is kind of reinforcing that. It's reinforcing who's superior and also reinforcing who's inferior and saying, okay, don't ever try to rise above your station. No, 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 no. This is the space in which you can succeed as a person of this color. Don't, 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 don't try to rise above that. And so we are in a progressive generation, right? Where people, of course, are not as explicitly racist, perhaps, as they used to be. But it's the same exact concept. It's the concept of, oh, no, I will accept you as long as you stay in this station. But if you decide you now want to lead me and especially lead anybody who's considered superior to you, oh, then I have a problem. And because people cannot be explicitly and overtly ugly, then what they do is they put obstacles in your way to try to say, well, you can't do this. You're not even able to mentally, emotionally, physically prove that you can. And then when you do, they raise the bar and they're well, well, okay, so you proved that clearly it was, it was, it was too easy. Why don't you prove this? And so that's the quote that Toni Morrison is saying. She's like, that's the function of racism to keep you jumping over hoops <laughs> because there's no end to it. It keeps going. There will always be the next hoop to jump over because at the end of the day, the goal of the hoop is not for you to prove yourself. The goal of the hoop is to continue to try to reinforce the the issue, reinforce this theory 
that you're not where you're supposed to be. And so the thing about racism is if you decide you want to combat it head on, it's a losing game because what you're not addressing is the, is the thoughts of the person who has that thought. If the thought is that you are inferior, which you, if, if you were ever going to make an intervention, the intervention has to be in the person's mind, in the way they think. And since we are not in control of the way people think, any way you try to defend, you know, to attack that person or try to help them see reason is going to be problematic. It's going to be kind of like a waste of time because you are trying to reprogram a mind that's already made up. Ooh, until a person decides they're changing their mind, nobody else can change it for them. That's why it's a losing battle. And so racism is about the superiority of the races and it's about people believing that there's a station for you in life and you can't try to rise above that and always putting obstacles in your way to try to prevent you from proving them wrong, but then always moving the bar because, you know, it's, it's not even about reality. It's not even about logic. It's about a very defined way of thinking that people have. And so they keep putting obstacles in your way. And in the story, you know, it wasn't that I couldn't I didn't have the experience. Perhaps that's, that was a story at the beginning. But then later on, it was really just about, you know, I'm just not sure you're capable. Can't, you know, there was always somebody else who was perceived to be more superior than me, which is kind of interesting. Okay. So number two is that there will always be people who don't believe you can. Now, I told you that the issue of racism, and it's not just racism. I'm talking about racism because it applies to women of color. But the issue about the isms, whether it be racism or sexism or tribalism or whatever kind of ism exists, is this sense of, I don't believe you can. Because in my way of thinking, people like you do not, right? I've grown up seeing women in a certain way. And now you're trying to rise above that station and be something I've never known or understood or experienced women to be. Therefore, I challenge you. I don't believe you can. And so many times, and this is so important because many times, and I did this over and over again, they would say, well, I don't believe you. Prove it to me. Go find out from this person that what you're saying is real. And I would say, okay, as soon as I go talk to this person, then I can prove to you that what I said is real. But that wasn't the issue. The issue is that they don't believe I can't. And so no matter how much I proved to them, I was never changing their belief system because people can't change other people's beliefs. You can teach people and they can decide if they accept your teaching or not, but you can't change the way people think. You can't change their minds. And so there will always be people who don't believe in you or who don't believe you can for whatever reason. You say, I want to go for a large grant. They're like, oh, I look around and I don't see people like you in this position. So I'm pretty sure you can't. And, 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 and it's probably because of this inherent flaw. You probably are not capable, right? There's so much of that. And it goes on, whether you're a woman or you're a person of color or whatever, whatever thing you are that separates you from a group that's considered superior, there will always be that sense well, and you'll be able to feel it. That's the thing. That's the thing. You can tell. Even when people are like, oh, of course I think you can do this. You can tell because it's not even just a physical someone talking to you. It's like a, a spirit feeling spirit. You're like, mm, 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 I can tell. I can tell that you're, you don't believe me. And that's okay. It's okay. Because here's the thing. 
So if you're going to engage the person without recognizing that it's a fundamental mind, it's a fundamental belief system that people have, if you think that, so when you first start, when I was younger, I would try very hard to jump these hoops. I would say, oh, okay, I can jump this hoop just so I can prove to you that I can. And I would jump the hoop. And then somebody else would bring another hoop and I'd be like, oh, I can do this. Let me show you. And then I would jump the hoop. And you know what? There's no end to jumping hoops because you've, if the mind is still the, it's still the same mind. And so you think by physically jumping hoops, by physically addressing challenges, you can change their minds. You cannot. So stop jumping through hoops. But if you are like me, it took me a long time to figure out that I couldn't impress anybody. It took me a long time to figure out that no matter how hard I tried, I wouldn't be accepted in a certain way that I wanted to be accepted because they just fundamentally believed that somebody like me was incapable, inferior, not worthy to be in that space. And so you can keep jumping through hoops. But at some point, number three, you're going to need to decide what purpose you serve. You're going to need to make that decision. Because here's the challenge with trying to impress people who can never be impressed by you. It is a losing game. It is a losing battle. And maybe sometimes you've been like, ha, you put that obstacle in front of me. I conquered it. Ha ha. Yes, it feels good for maybe two seconds. The bile returns to your belly because another challenge is set before you. They're like, okay, you did this one. Let's see if you can do this. And at the end of the day, it's like, so how long do you want to continue to do this obstacle course? Yes, your muscles are getting stronger. I guess you're building endurance, but to what end? To what end? And at some point, you're going to need to stop and decide what purpose you serve, whether it's the purpose of trying to overcome challenges that honestly, you wouldn't even be trying to overcome these challenges if not the people put them before you. So in a sense, while they're putting challenges and obstacles before you and you're happily going after trying to overcome these challenges, what you're doing is allowing other people to set an obstacle course for you. And you're leaving the work you actually came to do. And so at some point you have to decide, am I going to continue to try to jump through hoops and this person or group of people will never believe in who I am? Or am I going to figure out why I came and what I came to do? Now I'm going to argue that if you're here in the academy, you didn't come to impress people. Maybe you had to do that for medical school. Maybe you had to do that for residency. You might even feel like you need to do it for fellowship. But you're not really here to impress people. You're here to develop a set of competencies and move on. Even if you're in training, medical school, there's a curriculum you need to go through. Pass the curriculum, you're done. That's your purpose in medical school. Anything else, impressing people is not part of it. And if people lie to you and they tell you impressing people is the only way forward, it's not true. Do your work. Go master the curriculum. Learn all the competencies and then show up. Whether they like you or not, you move forward. But when you're trying to impress and you don't have time to do all the competencies or to grow and learn and master the curriculum, then of course, it, of course, you don't accomplish your goal. And still they don't like you because they've never liked you. <laughs> or you're a resident and you're like, oh, if I can make people like me, I'll succeed. No, if you master the concepts that really are objective, then you get to you get to finish, you get to graduate. But if you're distracted 
trying to jump through obstacles that have nothing to do with your growth as a physician, that have nothing to do with you mastering the concepts that allow you to graduate, then you're wasting a lot of time doing things that actually don't move you forward. And so I'm calling you to action today. I'm asking you to identify the distractions for what they are. Identify them. I'm not even asking you to engage the distractions. I'm just asking you to pay attention to them. You are supposed to be in clinic from 9 to 12. And the attending says, well, I need you to show up at 8 a.m. because I'm going to be really busy. And you have already set your time for studying from 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. But because you're trying to make the attending happy, you say, okay. And you didn't identify that it's a distraction because pleasing this person doesn't move you forward. It's a distraction. And so what I want to encourage you to do and invite you to identify distractions. Somebody sends you an email that makes you super mad. It's a distraction. Somebody calls you a racial epithet. It's a distraction. Somebody says people like you can't succeed. It's a distraction. Somebody says Dr. So-and-so knows how to do it better than you. It is a distraction. Identify the distraction. Before you get boiling, hopping mad, before you start to cry and get upset, recognize it for what it is, a distraction from your purpose, a distraction from the reason why you came, a distraction from the reason why you're there. The second thing I'm going to, to ask you to do the second thing I'm going to ask you to do once you identify these distractions is don't engage. Decide not to engage. What you're going to do is you're going to conserve your energy. You're going to say, I'm not going to engage. You're not going to engage. And the reason you're not going to engage is that whatever you engage is a losing battle. Somebody calls you a racial slur today. Don't engage. And the reason you don't engage is because there will still be somebody else who will call you that tomorrow. Or the day after, the day after that, it is a distraction. And all of the energy you put into going after them, trying to make them pay, all of it is a distraction from your greater purpose. Do not engage. Do not engage. Do not engage. Leave the environment for them. If somebody has come together to make an environment intolerable, let it go. Find your place. Do not engage with anybody who distracts you from your purpose. And I will tell you, this one of the hardest things you will ever do is to engage your muscle of non-engagement. It is the hardest thing you will ever do because your medical training educated you to serve the purpose of people. It, in, it, it, it trained you to do whatever you are told just so you can get the grade and you can graduate. And for you to turn away from that, you're going to have to do some work. I'm happy to help you do that work. But I'm going to invite you that every time somebody engages you, do not engage. Do not engage because you're not here to make them happy. You're not here to jump over hoops. You're here to serve purpose. And that's call to action number three, to focus on your purpose. Why'd you come? You're in medical school. Why are you here? You're here to graduate. You're here to learn the curriculum, master it, and then you're here to graduate. You're in residency. Why are you here? You're here to learn specific competencies that go with this residency program and then leave. That's why you're here, to become an amazing resident physician, not to impress people, if you are in fellowship, why are you here? To become an amazing fellowship trained physician. And then you leave. 
with what you have in your hand. Focus on what you need to leave the environment that you're in. If they do not support you, you do need to leave. But what do you need to take before you leave? And where are you going to? Or do you need to create your own environment within the environment so you can thrive in your micro environment? Because I tell you, it is possible to live in a toxic environment because you've created a zone of safety for yourself. And if you don't know how to do that, I would love to help you figure that out. Choose instead of engaging in distraction to focus on your purpose, the reason you are here. What is my purpose in the academy? To solve the problem of early diagnosis in patients who have TTP and to bring people along the way as they grow as clinician scientists. Because when I first started, it was one of the barriers that people set up and I figured it out and I want as many people as possible to figure it out with me. And that is why I'm a coach who helps clinicians transition to become research leaders of their own programs, whether or not they have a mentor. That's my purpose. And everything that tries to distract me from that, I do not engage. And sometimes it is awfully hard because sometimes people really bring it. They bring it to my face. I set a boundary. I say, this is, you cannot pass this boundary. And they still come. (laughs) But I don't engage because it takes two people to fight. And people can do all they want until they can engage you to fight. They haven't won. I'm asking you, don't engage. Decide instead to focus on purpose because all the energy that's dissipated, engaging in so many people who don't believe you can, can be brought to bear into your laser focus on improving yourself as an individual, on expanding and growing exponentially, on getting what you came to get out of the environment and to move forward. And I invite you to do that. I will tell you that I'm at the end of the episode. I want you to share this with another woman of color who's experiencing the the distraction brought on by racism right now in her career. And I would ask you to please invite her to listen to it because I want her to recognize what a distraction racism is so that she can get back on track with her purpose. And so I'm asking you please to share with as many people as need to hear this as possible. If you want to connect with me, you can send an email to me at info at coagcoach.com and my team will get back to you and I will get the email. I read all those emails and um, yeah, just reach out and um, definitely let me know how this podcast is helping you. And if it's been helpful to you in any way, please leave us a review so that somebody else can also be helped as well. All right, I want to remind you, a woman of color in hematology, that there's nothing you cannot do. There's no challenge set before you that you cannot overcome. But I need you to decide whether it's a challenge you should take on or whether it's a challenge that you should let go of. All right, thank you for listening. I want to continue the conversation with you online at coagcoach.com. I'll talk to you again the next time.